Can you be alone? This is Simon Jacobson. And in this state that we're all in called the quarantine state, so many new questions arise due to the fact that um, we've been stripped in so many ways of our regular routines. And we need to be creative and resilient. And one of the big questions that arises now is, can you be alone? Quarantine means to be alone. Some of us are completely alone. Some of us just with immediate family. And it's putting a lot of pressure on people because they're not used to this. We were so accustomed to our social lives, to our public lives, whether it was at work, entertainment, travel, all the different ways that we've interacted with others. So though there's a, an explosion of interaction online, but yet there's something about human contact that we crave and is actually healthy. From our earliest childhood, actually back into our pregnancies, we were always engulfed in human touch. It's nine months embraced, submerged in the embryonic fluids in our mother's womb. And then at young age, and as we go along, nurtured, nursed, held, embraced, hugged, kissed, physical, physical contact. So it's very much part of the human condition and the building of confidence and security that connection we have with others, starting with our parents, our siblings, then our friends. And as we grow older, our own relationships that we build with friends and ultimately our romantic and intimate relationships. So when we're thrust in this situation, which was not asked for, and we're forced to be alone, at least to some extent, if there was no technology, it would be completely isolation. It's an excellent question to ask, can you be alone? I can personally testify to many questions I've been challenged with during this past one month or two. I, I really, I've never been alone. I'm really terrified. I feel isolated. I feel insecure. I've always had someone to lean on or rely on, whether it was my co-workers or it was my boss or it was my clients, people's interaction, my family. So this is what we're going to explore, this issue of being alone. Now, let's begin with the most the, the negative aspect of it. Alone of, immediately conjures up the feelings of loneliness. Loneliness, we know, can be very devastating. It's perhaps not as loud and as pronounced as other psychological concerns we have, but loneliness demoralizes us when we feel alone, when we feel there's no one there for us. So when things are riding smoothly, okay, your life's routines and schedules and structures and expect, people's expectations of you, your expectations of them, somewhat, somewhat cushions the sense of existential loneliness that we all have. But there are times, and not only now in a pandemic and the need to lock down and, and quarantine for health reasons, but even in regular times, so to speak, there's always that element that no matter how much you're a party animal and as much as you're connected to others, and some of us have real social lives and we're interacting and they're partying and all the stuff that we do, when you walk home alone, you walk home alone. There's a part of you that really is not connected to others and others are not connected to us. And when that, when that dawns upon us and we become aware of it, it can be very sad. It could even cause one to cry. Not because of a particular pain, just that existential loneliness. I'm really, am I really alone in this world? And those, of course, that have love, the deepest forms of love, that goes a long way to address that issue. But even when you have the strongest love, can you really be connected to another person in every dimension? There's always something that you retain that's you and you alone. 
Not because others don't care and not because people are selfish. That definitely goes into the picture, which I'll talk about in a moment. But even in the best circumstances, there's just something about our own uniqueness, our own individuality that separates us. And again, it doesn't mean necessarily a bad thing, but there is something. So we're in our mother's womb when we're completely surrounded by those that love us. We don't sense that. But as we become independent adults and we go out into the world, you can have more of a sense of that. In the worst scenario, it turns into real extreme isolation and loneliness. I feel I'm all alone. Nobody cares. Nobody loves me. Nobody is interested. That's like the strongest statement. And then there's milder forms of it. And then when you add into the equation the hostile world in which we live, it's not a neutral world. It's a world where there are people who exploit, predators, advantage takers, users, so that just exacerbates the whole issue because now we don't know. You meet somebody and they may show you kindness, but maybe they have an agenda. Maybe there are strings attached. And when we've been burned more than once and hurt and disappointed, we don't just easily let our guard down. So that just complicates matters because we're, in a sense, forced to put up armor, put up walls, defense mechanisms, because we don't want to be hurt. So all this comes to a head now in this times of corona, this age of corona, where we're told that we have to, we cannot connect, we can't go to stadiums, we can't go to parties, we can't socialize in the conventional sense of the word. So we're really left, in a sense, really exposed. So, so there's that negative side of the negative aspect called loneliness. But there's another side to it which you can see as being an opportunity in a positive way. And that is the uniqueness you have. The fact that we are individuals and that we're not clones of one another and that you indeed have something that is exclusive to you, your personality, your strengths, your quirks, that define your identity as different than another, that you're an original. Yes, has an element of it that makes you different than others, but it's, a, but it's a being alone in a very powerful and positive way. Because what it's telling you is that your, loneliness, your aloneness is your uniqueness, your exclusivity. So how does one balance those two extremes? Sad loneliness, which feels isolating and weakening and demoralizing, and a powerful sense of uniqueness, not arrogance, uniqueness, that actually allows you to embrace your exclusive self. So, the plot thickens. The plot thickens. I remember, um, it was uh, at least five, six years ago, um, there was a couple, a, new, a newlywed couple, who I've been part of their lives. They came to my classes when they were single. They actually met the one of my, at, my, at my Wednesday night class. And they would uh, consult me, both very sweet people, both busy people. Each one had their own job, very, very overwhelmed at work. And they had plenty of con common denominators, which brought them together. But they also had many challenges. And they were well-to-do, so they didn't have financial issues. What they would do, and I saw it in, in my own eyes, but I never pointed it out, but they dealt with a problem was through, mostly through escape. What was escape? They went out. They went out to dinner. They went to a party. They went to a club. And uh, New York City is full of options. And they were always busy with that, almost every night. I, used to, I remember I used to ask once in a while, I said, you ever stay home for dinner? Only when one of us is really under the weather or, it's, or, or extreme circumstances. And I, again, didn't comment. They're, they're entitled, as long as it's working. But then things began to get more tense. Their um, domestic situation became very tense. And because they both were very busy, they were able to escape and avoid it. And whenever they were together, they had a way to go. They went to a new restaurant, a new uh, event, a new venue, visit museums. They traveled quite extensively. And I remember sitting with them. And something that struck me, what struck me was that they did not know how to be alone. I didn't want to be the one that points it out, so I, I, uh, I provoked them. 
certain questions. And I asked, then I asked, I said, so let me ask you, are you ever alone? And one of them said, I'm terrified of being alone. Why are you terrified? What will happen? You have your body, you have your soul, you have your faculties. God has blessed you with health. What's missing? I'm not, I just don't feel comfortable. I always need action. And uh, he, that was the she, that was her. And he said something similar in his own way. Not quite in those words. And it struck me for whatever reason at that moment, you know, sometimes things you may have seen many times in your life, but in that moment, you just sense. And I realized, yeah, it's a very excellent question. Can you be alone? And why not? Why can't you be alone? So the positive end, you can make the case, as I mentioned before, because we're social creatures. Social creatures, by definition, need others. This is also true in the animal kingdom. How much of the shaping of identities and the maturing of any species, <coughs> excuse me, of any species is based on mimicking, copying, learning from the adults, whether it's hunting or breeding or protecting or just playing. And of course, the human beings are, are perhaps even more so. How much of it is that we look at each other? How children look at their parents, look at their siblings, look at their friends, at their teachers. It's part of who we are. So when we're deprived of that, it's quite terrifying. We'd be suddenly, all those interactions, we're defined by so much of around, that's around us. However, and here's the big however, and this is the line. That's perfectly fine. That's called being trained, being educated, being shaped, being molded learning from mentors, from role models, beautiful. The problem is if your identity is annihilated in the process, if you lose yourself. So then it's not just you're being shaped, you're becoming something else. So it's one thing mimicking, it's one thing copying and learning from, but never at the expense of compromising the integrity of your individuality. Now you'll say, one second, which one is it? If I'm a fierce individual, I shouldn't be looking at anyone. If I'm looking at others, I always stand the risk of losing my identity. Well, like everything in life, nothing is black and white. It's exactly the balance and harmony that we're seeking. But as I said, when routines and schedules and our plans are in place, our comfort zones are in place, we don't always have to think about this. Now, in this age of quarantine, we're compelled to think about this. So it's an opportunity actually to come out much healthier because you're not avoiding it through escape. Let me go back to that couple. And I as recognized it, they all recognized it, and I said, so let's discuss why are you afraid of being alone? It's like alone in the dark, alone and no one there to help you. You're afraid if you fall, there won't be anyone there to know that there's a problem. And we explored it a little further. It come, came down to, no, no big surprise here, pretty textbook. I mean, of course, each person customized to their unique situation, and that is their parents weren't always available to them in their own different ways. Their parents were very busy people. And many times they went to sleep crying because there was no one there. Their mother wasn't there, their father wasn't there, maybe a nanny. And when there are emotional times of need, and especially as children, impressionable, defenseless, vulnerable, Fragile. And when you need that person to be there, it could be a small thing, it could be a big thing. So one time, two times, everyone has resilience. Children are very resilient. They can adjust and they could be flexible. More flexible than adults. Just like their bones and their entire physical beings are far more malleable and flexible. Softer, as they're not yet fully hardened. Same thing in their personalities. But if it's persistent if persistent sense of abandonment or fear of abandonment or absenteeism, you come home from school, you had a difficult day or it was a good day and you don't get the reinforcement and the vote of confidence, that has impact. Again, not once, twice, ongoing because we all need that. We need that reassurance. And it gets worse if a parent is critical that even when they're there with you, instead of reinforcing their critical, who do you, you know, to the point of dismissive, 
this has a very profound impact on the psyche of a child. And aloneness becomes a real terror. Because it's not just physically alone, I'm alone in my bedroom, and I don't want to sleep alone, I want someone else in my room with me. It's a psychological sense of aloneness. Does someone really care about me? Am I alone in this world? And though there are people that should be caring about me, and sometimes they do, it leaves that type of doubt. And that doubt is quite devastating. It's not devastating, as I said earlier, in a loud and pronounced way, but internally it erodes a fundamental necessity of every human being. That is self-confidence and self-esteem. And yes, it begins early in our lives. The earliest, even when a child is beginning just the first steps, I would go even further, a newborn. You may not know it, but a child senses, am I accepted? Am I being validated? That I do something that everyone's happy with? You see how parents say, hey, wow, how beautiful. Just look how a child comes alive. And the nine months in the womb, don't think it has not, doesn't have an impact. That's a consistent nine months in a row, 24-7, of being nurtured. That's even if the parent doesn't want, even the mother doesn't want to be nurturing, which I'm not suggesting is a good idea. But there's a physical nurturing happening. So you can imagine, when any of this is deprived, then the alone, aloneness becomes a very challenging and a very terrifying place. So it's not a surprise that we look for things to fill and compensate that void, that vacuum. In the case of this couple, they did it through, firstly, success in business, and being lauded for it, and being awarded for it, and being recognized. And secondly, in activities that they did, whether they going out to dinners, the parties, the traveling. These were all their crutches. It wasn't just, oh, we like to see Italian restaurant tonight or Chinese or Korean or whatever it may be. It was because they needed it because it gave them something to talk about. It gave them something to, in common. And the idea of just sitting dinner alone at home and having a conversation eye to eye was too frightening. You see this very often in the bedroom with couples. Go to the bedroom, the television goes on, or everybody's on their gadget. This is a time where you should be alone with each other. It's a time to review the day, share your feelings, your thoughts. Not necessarily even advice, just a, a communion, a connection. So people go back to their machines. And they may even talk about it. They say, oh, let's watch the late show, or let's watch this show, that show. And that becomes their discussion. Let's just talk about ourselves naked, and I don't mean naked necessarily physically, I mean it psychologically and emotionally, stripped of everything, that may be too uncomfortable. So that type of vulnerability is what we're afraid of, and that vulnerability we associate with loneliness. At the end of the day, I was home, and at night I did not have someone to cry, a shoulder to cry on. I, didn't, I, I had issues I wanted to speak about. And it's not always words that we can articulate. And if there's abuse, it takes a whole, a new, whole new dimension. Because abuse, then you start loathing yourself. I'm not worth it, you say. And you really feel nobody's there to protect me. The person who's supposed to love me most, my parent, is not there to protect me. What does that tell, what tells, what does that tell the child? You don't deserve it. You deserve to be alone and miserable. I remember once someone telling me, I don't want to, I'm going to the graphic detail of the abuse. It was very serious abuse by her father. And Friday night at the Shabbat table, she would cry in her room. She, wants, she was crying for help. And what would he do? He would have her siblings at the table, sing louder, let's sing louder. They sang a Shabbat song louder to drown out her voice. So not only was she not allowed to cry, they didn't even want to hear. Not only was she not allowed, entitled to feel the pain of the hurt, that her cry was drowned out. What does that do for a human being? That creates such a profound state of loneliness. Some of us can't even fathom or imagine it. Because if you had love in your life, that doesn't, doesn't, like, what does that do to a person? So, as adults, if you had a healthy childhood, you can figure out it's still not easy. But if your childhood, has confirmed time and again, nobody really cares. They'll sing louder. That's what they'll do. They'll ignore. 
That's why you find a tremendous powerful law in, in Jewish thought. It says, it states the following, that if you have not seen somebody in 30 days and they suddenly come around, you're supposed to stop in the middle of your prayers, yes, your prayers to God, and say hello. Because ignoring a person is criminal. Ignoring a person is ignoring the, the, the dignity, the uniqueness, the divine image in which that person was created. Think about that. Ignoring a person. But many of us say, I ignore, I, I was busy with other things. That's the value of, and sanctity of life. So now that we're in this state, it's exactly what we could be talking about. It's an unbelievable opportunity. And I've mentioned this time and again. We're sensitive to the fact that there's been grief and loss and death. And it doesn't take, I wish none of that happened. And we'd only have the positive elements. But even despite the fact that there is all that loss and we are acknowledging it and our prayers go out and our blessings to all those that need full recovery and healing, may they have that. God should protect everyone. This pandemic, this magefa in Hebrew, should finally come to an end. But that does not negate the fact that the situation we're in compels us, behooves us to look at ourselves in new ways. Because we've been put in another state. To use a scientific statement, when you want to really know the personality, the properties of any entity or of any phenomenon, you want to put it in situations that are not its comfortable state. Because when it's in its comfortable state, you see it in its natural habitat. You want to really test its resilience, its ability, its strengths. You take it out of that natural habitat, its natural comfort zones and crutches, and see a different, a, a colder environment, a warmer environment, a different type of environment. And I'm not talking about torturing anything or, God forbid, in any way that's cruel. But that's how you find out what people are like, what anything is like, and people as well. So this quarantine is a challenge to each one of us about that uniqueness or aloneness, the negative sort. So there's like a negative lonely and there's a positive lonely. Let's put it that way. So the first question you have to ask yourself is, can you be alone? We're not even talking about an extended period of time. Or a short period of time. And, if you, and the answer is no. You must ask yourself why. You must. It's for your benefit. It may be painful. It may go back to our childhood. It may go back to different experiences. It may even go to an experience that when I was alone with somebody, that person hurt me. We had our own little secret relationship. And then you find that it was a not health, an unhealthy one. So you could have a whole list and you should make a list. Awareness is have the cure. Remember that. So awareness. Why is it difficult to be alone? Ask yourself that. I know it sounds like overly simplistic. It's not simplistic. It's a very powerful question. Because you, you want to conclude not just to find out what are the usual suspects or what are the causes of your concerns, fears of loneliness. You also want to find out what you're made of. And then let's bring it to the second side. A second column. What makes you unique? Are you comfortable with that uniqueness? Would you prefer to be a conformist because it's more comfortable and easier? You won't be criticized. You don't stand out. You don't have to fight for anything. Or would you prefer to actually be an, a unique individual? Now, I know it's a loaded question. People say, what do you mean? Who's going to say, I want to be a conformist? I want to be part of the herd mentality. But let's talk honestly between ourselves. We can say whatever we want to say. It's what you do, not what you say. How you live your life. The fact is, most people do choose the road most traveled on, not the road less traveled. It's easier, it's safer, it's more comfortable, it's less challenging. We only take the road less traveled. We only take the road that is, that is new and fresh, usually because we've been forced to go there. Now, I can't say in all cases, there are people who are adventurers, explorers, and they like the spontaneous, and they will take the road less traveled. I'm using, of course, Robert Frost's classic poem, where he says, I was traveling on the road, the road diverged into two. 
And I, I took the road less traveled on. And that has made all the difference. I don't know if it's an exact word for word, but that's the gist of it. Now, most of us would love to say, yes, I'm bold, ambitious. I want to do something different. I will submit this to you, that even the greatest pioneers all have some measure of concern or fear of taking a road that nobody's traveled on. They may still do it. And they may do it not because of strength. If you read the book on Steve Jobs and his story, it wasn't necessarily out of strength. It was because of desperation in a way. Deprived of something sometimes forces you to become a pioneer. That's your safety. But I'm not now going to judge people. The point being is it's not an easy choice because who would want to choose the path that's not comfortable? It's already been tread on. It's easy. It's proven method. Why do I have to go through trial and error? And there's something to be said for it. Again, going to the line that it does not compromise your individuality. So now is the time, my friends, to find out what you're really made of, what you really like. So that we've discussed alone, that the difficult for me to be alone because I need the comfort it provides, the security I think it provides, the routines, there's something to it. People rely on them. Now that that's been disrupted, upended, destabilized, we have a tremendous opportunity to find out what you're like when you don't have all those crutches, or they're at least minimal in a minimal way, much less than usual. And the goal is to find out not why you're alone, afraid to be alone. The goal is to find out healthy individuality. What really makes you unique? So to quote Hillel, the great statement where he said, if I am not for myself, who will be for me? That's clearly a statement of individuality. But then he says, if I'm only for myself, what am I? So we're not going into this, uh, this radical individuality, uh, uh, Ayn Rand style, me against the world because I am so unique, which can border on arrogance and so on. It's talking about a, a balance. I know who I am, and therefore I can really interact with others. Because if you don't know who you are, how are you going to complement another? How are you going to make sure that your identity won't be annihilated or extinguished in the face of another? It's precisely the person that's secure with themselves. I am for myself is the person that can co so easily coexist with others, even those that have different opinions, because you don't have to be wrong for me to be right. You can have your strengths and I have my strengths. But if you come from a point of weakness where you're not comfortable with your own inner identity, either because you're not aware of it or because you're afraid of it or because it's never been validated, it's very difficult because you're looking to the other sometimes to replace the love that only you can give yourself. And that's when it gets unbalanced. Or the opposite extreme, that you're so frightened of anyone annihilating you that you never allow yourself to interact with others. So you become a fierce individual, not because you're an individual, because you're just a terrified little child. And you don't, and you don't trust anyone. Or the other extreme, you lose your identity in the face of another. And if you think about it, even though it sounds paradoxical, they both are connected to each other, those two extremes. You see this often. People have been hurt by parents or certain environments have two ways that they react until they start to heal. One is they become over-dependent on the people who have hurt them to the point it's unhealthy. They feel they need to continue to please them. They continue to not rock the boat, to perpetuate the myth. Or the other extreme, their anger and their resentment is so strong they just totally break away. And they carry that anger and they carry that type of almost vengeance. Both of them is still an impact of that dis abusive and dysfunctional relationship. One is you're bound to it through interacting. And one is you're bound to it by running away. You're running away from a burning building. You want to come to a point where you discover self. And then you can determine, do I want those people in my life? Do I want forgiveness? Do I want to interact? But it's coming from strength. That's the key, to find an alone space that's coming from strength, not from weakness. So initially, a quarantine situation would seem to expose us in a negative sense where I feel vulnerable, 
I feel exposed, I feel I can be hurt. But the goal is the opposite, is to find the unique side of yourself. And everybody has it. And we'll talk about in a moment how you can do that. The unique side of yourself where you can say, yes, there's a need for me to be with others, but there's also a time I need to be alone. Can I be alone? Yes, I can be, because I have what to do with myself when I'm alone. It's not fear that's driving me. I don't need to escape somewhere. I don't need a party. I don't need a restaurant. I don't need other stimul- outside stimulation because I can stimulate from within. And then that ironically and paradoxically actually enhances your ability to have a relationship. You say, how is that possible? Because that's the way it works. In a simplistic black and white world, we may think it's a counterintuitive, but look at everything in existence. Everything. Let's start with the human body. How many systems are at work right now in this body? Hundreds. Are they individual or are they complementary? The respiratory system, the neurological system, the circulatory system, the different functions that we have. Each one is very unique. Each one has its guidelines and rules. And if you didn't know better, you saw them separately, you never thought it's all part of one machine. And then they come together, and it's a tremendous, awesome coordination, an awesome synchronicity. And think about it. It's a paradox. It's their individuality on one hand, because if the lungs wouldn't do what they have to do, and the heart wouldn't do what it has to do, the mind couldn't do what it had to do. So it's not about everybody joining and we're going to lose our identities. It's your identity that precisely allows you to interact with the others and it becomes one harmony within diversity. Look at nature. Exactly the same thing. The symbiosis of nature. Interdependence. And not one annihilating another. It's all a balance. Were it not for the human touch, without human error... The balance would be a beautiful divine balance, like a choreography that would be beyond any theatrical, artistic, musical, architecture, book. Humans can throw a monkey wrench into the picture and upset the balance. And that balance is exactly that. Multitude of diversity, diversity, but it works together like a conductor conducting a beautiful symphony with hundreds, if not thousands, in the ensemble, in the orchestra. And like music itself, millions of musical notes or thousands of musical notes, all combining, what? To one beautiful piece. And each one has its own section. Jumble them up or disorganize them, and it'll just be chaos, noise. So now let's apply that to ourselves. Your individuality is not a contradiction to your interactions with your, with your social life. Being alone in the unique sense of strength, out of strength, that you are, you are original, that you are creative, that you have things about you that no one else has, that, you, or there are, that there is a mission for you to accomplish that you and only you can accomplish, is not a contradiction to interaction with others. It actually supports it. Many of us have not been allowed to be ourselves. So we've become something else. Oliver Wendell Holmes, in this uh, very tragic poem called The Voiceless, says the following devastating line. Alas to those that die with their song still inside them. How sad it is to die with your song still inside you. This is a theme that goes back thousands of years in mysticism, in Zohar, and other classic works, every one of us has our song. We actually have many songs, but we have our unique song, our unique voice. And very often, that voice never emerges. Either it was never nurtured and encouraged, or even if you had that voice, it was drowned out. Some others decided to sing louder than you. Some others decide to dismiss and invalidate your voice. That has no value. Who do you think you are? So at some point, you retreated. Now, at some point, there's also the other extreme. You can rebel and become so fiercely individualistic, but that could also still be an impact of what you were deprived of. 
The key is to find the balance. Your voice. But your voice is not a contradiction. It's someone else's voice. Why can't they sing together in harmony? I remember my son came home from school. He was a little kid. He was very excited. And I asked him, so what are you so excited? He says, I heard something today that really was nice. I said, what was it? I got excited over his excitement. I heard, I heard today, you were born an original. Don't become a copy. I never forgot that. Because I, I, besides the line is a good one, I also, my, my son was, uh, was touched by it. Because what better, greater blessing for a parent is to have a son, a child, or daughter, that becomes, the, emerges like the flower they should be, the original flower. Obviously shaped and, and um, validated and supported and loved and nurtured, but to become your unique music, your unique voice. Years later, not, not long ago, I asked my son, who happens to be a copywriter, no pun intended. So I asked him, so tell me, you remember the story? He didn't remember it. I said, but let me ask you, so did you become an original or a copy? So in his classic way, his wordsmith fashion, he said, I'm an original copy. <laughs> Whatever that means. I, I, like to, the, 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 I like to believe that it means something positive, that he took the best of what he saw around him and did it in a new original way. Because at the end of the day, original does not mean that you have to destroy or rebel or disrupt everything around you. It means you find your unique voice. It's like playing the musical notes that you cannot change. Musical notes cannot be changed, but you play them with your rendition, your, your version of it, with your particular flavor, touch. That's the key. So I want to say to myself, to each one of you, the time we are in right now we might probably never ever have another time like this, another opportunity. So again, recognizing the pain and loss and the challenges, we have to also acknowledge and embrace tremendous opportunity to really look inside yourself. We have more time. We have more alone time. Look at things that you'll enjoy. Make a list. Do you like music? So most people like music, listening to music. Do you like to play music? Do you like to sing? What kind of music? Other creative elements. Do you like to work with your hands? Carpentry. Weaving. Sewing. Knitting. Perhaps you like um, solving problems, riddles. It could be cognitive challenges. Some people, emotional strengths. They have a certain deep emotional intelligence. Very often, when we are busy in the rush hour that is drowning out our inner voice, we don't have the time and the opportunity to explore that which we're really good at. Now is the time. It would be a true, true, tragic loss, a disgrace. It would be a lost opportunity if we did not use this for this, for this time to precisely find our voices, strengthen our voices. Now you may say, one second, there are people around me that are still busy invalidating. You know what? You're an adult. I'll talk about a child in a moment. You're an adult. So maybe it's time to make a few new friends. Find people who do validate you, who do believe in you, who encourage you, who don't throw cold water every time you have an exciting idea. Say, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's try it. Find a partner. Find a pen pal, they used to call it. Today we have different names for it. Someone out there, we're online, you can both join and do a project perhaps together. There's so many groups of interesting stuff out there. There are book clubs, reading clubs, there are people doing other types of activities. And you can use your creativity. Allow your wings to spread. That's exactly what a time like this offers us. Now, if there are ch children listening to this or you're a parent of children, remember, children don't quite have that same... They're far more dependent. I mean, I have to qualify that. There are many adults that are dependent as well because of aborted or distorted childhood. But if you are a parent, this is the time to review how are you validating, how are you reinforcing, encouraging your children to be themselves. Each morning, say with your child, 
you, you were sent here as a gift. You have something unique to contribute. Let's find out what it is. They're doing homeschooling. They're doing other activities. Pay a little more attention. See what they're good at and encourage them. Encouraging is the key. No one is born excellent at anything. It's talents. It's predispositions. It's leanings. Dispositions. And the key is to nurture that. I pointed out many times, a parent is like a gardener. And the children are the seeds that are planted, the, fo- the flowers. Our job is not to create flowers. Our job is to nurture the, nurture the flower, to water it, to support it. And the opposite, to weed out unhealthy influences. So the flower can emerge. So that voice of the child, that unique voice, can be heard. It will sing its song, its many songs. So no matter what situation we're in, we all have an opportunity, whether it's about ourselves or whether it's about our loved ones, friends, children, students. This is the time. And tell me if there's a greater, more noble effort than doing exactly that, helping a person, starting with yourself, to celebrate their unique dignity. Is there anything greater than that? Their unique purpose, their unique meaning and mission in life. Because each of us has that. So again, when we're busy on the roller coaster or the merry-go-round or other analogies we have, driving at 90 miles an hour, commuting to work and all the pressures at work, and then we have this social life and entertainment life and travel and so on, it was beautiful. It was a party for many. When that slowed down or even stopped temporarily, yeah, you can look at it as, what am I supposed to do now? I'm completely lost. I don't want to be alone. I don't like this. I want to go back. This is a nightmare. Or you could see it as an opportunity. It's like the water has receded. And now you have to rely on your own inner resources. The routines and schedules and plans and expectations and deadlines. Many of, most of those right now are in some way a pause. Now, I know some people working from home, so there's still heavy work and they still have pressures. But still... There's disrupt- everyone has been disrupted, whether it's your commute, whether it's your partying, your entertainment, everybody has been disrupted. What are you going to do all the hours that people watch baseball or went to baseball games or to the Met or to, uh, or to the performing arts or the plans that I said, travel plans? I would travel, I traveled quite extensively to speak. Now my speaking is all sitting in one place, Zooming, Skyping, podcasting, all the different platforms. It's a, it is a unprecedented, an unprecedented opportunity to discover yourself and come away with the, the answer to the question, can you be alone? The answer is yes. I can be alone because I'm comfortable with who I am. I'm comfortable in my own skin. I have something to contribute that I value, that is valued. And it's with humility. And my being alone actually helps me be a better friend, a better lover, a better communicator, a better interactor with others because I begin with a base. It's like a home base, a solid foundation of recognizing your own strengths, recognizing your own uniqueness, recognizing that you have something really indispensable to bring to this world. And when you have that, your note, your musical notes, your song, your angel, your flower, then you want to compliment and be complimented by other flowers and other music and other angels. I mentioned angel because I love Michelangelo's response when they asked him, how do you carve those beautiful angels in the marble? Michelangelo was this unbelievable sculptor. And he answered, I see the angel trapped in the marble. And I carved and carved and set her free. Now, I know that he was educated by Kabbalists, by actually um, legitimate, authentic Kabbalists in Florence and other cities in Italy. I can't help but wonder whether this was his own idea or one that comes straight from the Torah. Because that's the key. Nobody's going to give you your unique self. You were born with it. 
It's just undercover. It's trapped in the marble. It may be trapped in concrete. It may be trapped in other substances, which I don't even want to mention. So no one's going to give it to you. It's there. The flower is there. The angel is there. The music is there. Your song, your voice is there. What we need to do is carve away the distractions, carve away the crutches, and your angel, allow the angel to emerge. Set her free. Spread her wings. This is where we are right now, 2020, a year 2020 vision, is the opportunity to actually have a true vision of your life. But not the way we expected. We expected things are just going to go normally and regularly and we're just, party continues. Things have receded. Things have been disrupted, upended. So now you're left with many ways, what do you like on your own? Without all the machinations and institutions and conventions and so on. Warren Buffett famously said, not now, said when the tide is out, you can see who's been swimming naked. Yep. Another example I, I'm fond of is when the light is shining bright, you can't really see the cracks in the wall. When the light is dimmed, you suddenly see everything for what it really is, for good and for bad. The goal here, of course, is for good, to really see reality. So reality now has been exposed to many, in many ways. And what are you going to do? What am I going to do? As you probably have seen, and if you haven't, I'm making you aware, myself, my entire wonderful team at Meaningful Life Center, we've been literally an overload. I've never been as busy. Because we feel, and I feel, that if not now, when things like this, cracks like this, openings like this do not happen often, perhaps once in a lifetime, maybe once in history, on this scale. But it comes down to you and I. If not now, when? This is the opportunity to really discover yourself, discover the unique you to, that you can be comfortable with, and in turn, Understand and appreciate the unique personality and strengths of those around you and the entire world. Seven and a half billion of us. No, we do not have to be driven by what people think is just the same old divisiveness, cultural, religious, race. No, we are all musical notes in a cosmic composition. And it took a microbe, a destructive coronavirus microbe, to remind us of that commonality. Now our job is to remind us of the commonality, not through a negative virus attack, but that we are truly one. But one does not mean a clone. One does not mean only one. It means many different parts of one large organism, that which physics has come to discover, an intricate connection between billions, trillions, beyond trillions, zillions of different components all working together. The only difference is when it comes to music, when it comes to art, when it comes to architecture, that once it's put in place, it's in place. But imagine musical notes had free will. And one decided, you know what, I'm not part of this composition. I'm out of here. Well, the time we're in now is that we can take our musical notes and our angels and our flowers and align them. First, recognize and discover what's within you and then complement others and let them complement you. It's a great honor, maybe the greatest honor of all, to interact, intersect with other voices and musical notes like yourself. So wherever you may be in the world, there's technologies allowing us to um, bridge the separation of time and space. Yes, it would be beautiful to physically be in one room, but this is the closest we can do right now. So hopefully, words from the heart enter the heart, whether it's through a camera, whether it's through the phone, you could be sitting right near someone and not speaking from your heart. So I hope some of the words that I hope were from the heart entered your heart. Let's join together in creating a pandemic of unity, of goodness and kindness. Please join us. Go to MeaningfulLife.com, an array of resources. We have a special Corona section. We're developing more programs, literally daily, podcasts, conversations, to many different types of audiences, parents, educators, children, people in recovery, 
men and women of all walks of life, more spiritual programs, more psychological ones. And you can really check it out. So go to MeaningfulLife.com and specifically MeaningfulLife.com slash Corona. You'll see our offerings. Please benefit from them. We also send out daily emails. One specially new one is called Your Daily Spiritual Antidote. It's a three-minute video that I produce, that I speak every day, a three-minute message about discovering, accessing, and nurturing your inner resources. You can easily subscribe to that. Just again, go to MeaningfulLife.com. Other programs are weekly offerings every week. Some are new. Well, they're all new. But some are new series that we had not done now. And others are series like this Wednesday night. Every Wednesday I've been doing this program for many years. But now the focus is on current themes, the current crisis, concerns we all have, and tools and resources empowering us to rise to the occasion. So please take advantage. We're on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram, on WhatsApp, LinkedIn, you name it. All the platforms. I myself don't know all the platforms, but I have a very good team, and God bless them, and maybe all together join. Each in our unique way, but at the same time creating a synergy of a musical a, a explosion, in a good way, explosion, a pandemic of goodness and kindness, of harmony within diversity. Every Wednesday, this program is live, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's, it's uh, archived, so you can access it at any time. As I said, there's many other resources. And please share, like, give us your comments, your feedback. This is what we thrive on, this uh, cross-pollination. Everyone be blessed. Stay well. Stay strong. Let us come out stronger than ever from this challenge and trying situation. Be well. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com slash donate.